Is Sharif Cooper the best passive playmaker in this draft class? Sharif Cooper is all over the board. There is no real consensus. When I look at draft boards, he is everywhere. Plus, he is one of my favorite prospects to watch in this class. And plus, you know me, Cody, I love the statistics. And there are a couple statistical indicators with Sharif Cooper where he is at an all-time historical level. We're going to talk about those on today's episode. You are locked on to the NBA Draft. I am your host, Sam Ferris. And as always, I'm joined by my friend, my co-host, and the other member of the Draft Dummies. How's it going for you, Cody? It's going great. Super excited to talk about Sharif today. We're going to get into what makes him such a special uh, creator on the offensive end. We're going to talk about some of his scoring uh, and then his defense and some concerns we have and then potentially uh, his future prospectus as an NBA player. All right. So let's start with the offensive side of the ball, Cody. Why don't you start high level? Give me kind of some of the high level raw numbers for Sharif Cooper on the offensive side of the ball. So as most people know, he didn't gain eligibility until a little bit through the season. So he's only played 12 games, but he's currently averaging 20 points, uh, eight assists, four rebounds, and his shooting numbers so far are not impressive at 39.1% from the field, 22% from three, and a solid 82.5% from the free throw line. I will also note that the Auburn offense is 10 points per 100 possessions better with him on the court versus off the court per pivot analysis. So those are kind of the high level numbers, Cody. But in terms of breaking down the film and your analysis while watching him offensively, what sticks out to you? Well, it's just that passing ability and his ability to dribble and break down a defense and uh, find the open man. Uh, his assist numbers have been pretty absurd. I know you're going to get into a couple stats that he has as far as usage and creation. But for me, yeah, it's been uh, his maturity as a passer. He is very, very far along as far as what I like to call passing maturity. He does a great job of breaking down the defense and then not only making really nice uh, no look and dump off passes to guys for open layups and dunks, but he does a really good job of understanding where the defense breaks down, where the help comes from, where the help helper helping the helper uh, breaks down, and he'll make some nice uh, skip passes to weak side threes and whatnot. Uh, very impressive for a kid of his age. Yeah, so let's put some numbers to that. Talked about how he's at a historical rate and pace when looking at some of these statistical indicators, the first one that I have, Cody, he hit, he's basically on pace for the highest assist percentage ever in a college basketball season. I think he's currently tied right now for the highest assist percentage with John Morant's sophomore season, which was also a, a spectacular season for John Morant. Um, so what does that mean? Basically, it means what percentage of his teammates' baskets did he assist on the court? And that tells me a couple things about both about Sharif and about that Auburn team. Number one, he had the ball a lot in his hands. Number two, that Auburn team didn't really have many other creators around him. But number three, and most importantly, he is a special, just a fantastic passer that specializes in setting his teammates up. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's all over the film. And that's one thing I'll probably talk about a little bit later is just the style that he kind of likes to play and needs to play to be effective. Kind of reminds me of, you know, the Trey Young types where they really need the ball in their hands. Uh, But yeah, he is pretty spectacular. His live ball passing is really amazing. Both his left and his right hand on the move. He can fling uh, cross court passes that are right on target. And he's a great lob thrower, too. He throws a lot of them. Some of them aren't quite there, get deflected. Uh, but I think in the NBA with more space and better athletes, uh, the fact that he already sees those plays developing and is willing to throw them, uh, he makes it look simple. Put the ball next to the hoop and let your athlete go up and get it. Yeah, and you mentioned the ability to manipulate defenses In your opinion, Cody, is that something you see very often from kids his age, that ability at this young of an age to uh, run an offense, have that much usage and be able to manipulate defenses? No, I'd say it's pretty rare, uh, especially him just stepping into this season midway through. A lot of guys, as they're developing as a passer, they do a great job of taking what the defense gives them, learning to react Um, So, you know, if you penetrate a big man's guy steps up uh, to stop you and you dump it off to the your big man for a dunk, that's kind of uh, the initial processing that a lot of guys go through. But he already is kind of beyond that. He is a creator. He's not necessarily only a reactionist. Uh, He'll have plays where he's running a pick and roll up top. And maybe you got a pin down going on the other side, but with his two teammates and uh, all the defense is kind of focused on that roll man that set the pick and then the pin down action going on the other side. And Sharif will see that the fifth player that was a strong side corner had cut back door as his man helped on that roll man. And he'll just throw a no look um, or a misdirection pass and to find the open guy for a dunk or a layup. He's just kind of a step ahead of a lot of kids at that age. Yeah, what I have written in my notes is that because of his ball handling and because of his quickness, he's not that concerned about the guy guarding him. He basically knows I can just go by my guy whenever I want to. And because of that processing and because he can see, you know, kind of like that next play that's going to happen, he's really good at manipulating, like you said, the backline defense, the help defender, the guy coming over to help in the pick and roll. And I compare that. I like doing kind of cross-sport comparisons. Another guy that that reminded me of, and he's not going to be as good of a Leo Messi, but when you watch Leo Messi play soccer, he is so quick, so low to the ground like Sharif Cooper. He knows he can get by his guy whenever he wants, but he has his eye on that backline defense, on that next guy that's going to come help. So when he gets by his first guy, He already knows where that center back is going to be, where that next defender is going to be, so he can slot that perfect through ball or attack that next defender. And you see that in the NFL, too, with quarterbacks that, you know, like the Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, that are just one step ahead, that they know where they should be going when the play starts, but they use those eyes to manipulate the safeties and the linebackers. That's what I'm seeing with Sharif Cooper at this age, and that's just pretty special. Yeah, it is. And it's so fun to watch and really fun to play with, too. Uh, He kind of reminds me of Jokic just in the fact that I feel like they have all nine other players accounted for when they have the ball in their hands, uh, which is really rare. Like I said, a lot of guys 
can uh, kind of react and take what the defense gives them. But just a step above that, uh, some of these guys just seem to have all nine guys accounted for, and uh, they just see everything and take it to a different level. Yeah, so later on in this episode, we're going to get to the efficiency. We're going to get to some of the improvement points. But while all those things are true and there are worry points and improvement points with him, it's important to keep in mind that you just can't discount the magic that he has with the ball and, and just those preternatural playmaking instincts at such a young age. And Cody, I've got another one of those st- statistical indicators where he is at an all-time level for you. So I keep a database of all, you know, by position so I can do historical analyses. And I also use Bartorvik, which is a great site. So for this comparison, I looked at high usage guards as freshmen uh, over the last 15 years playing at high major schools. So the top five high usage freshmen going back to, I think going back all the way to 2008. And the top five high usage freshmen there in terms of guards are Trey Young, Colin Sexton, Markel Fultz, Cam Thomas, and OJ Mayo, with Eric Gordon being that next guy right outside of that group. And I think Sharif Cooper would slot right in at number two behind Trey Young. So just the amount of usage and the amount of responsibility he's taken on has been crazy and hardly ever seen before. So yes, there might be efficiency issues, but you look at that group of players that have been given that responsibility as a freshman. I mean, those guys are all clearly NBA level players. Yeah, that's a awesome uh, group there and uh, a good little study you found there. And we're going to talk a little bit more about some of his scoring and some of his shooting on the offensive side of the ball. March is National Sleep Month, and as an official CBD of a good night's sleep, our friends at CBDMD want to help you celebrate the right way. They've got dozens of options to help you relax, recharge, and enhance your nighttime routine. And there's nothing more calming than a nice hot bath. CBD bath salts fuse superior CBD with a mixture of Epsom, Dead Sea, and Himalayan salts to turn any bathtub into a luxury spa experience. Choose from lavender or eucalyptus scents or a soothing nighttime blend with melatonin and calming herbs. CBD bath bombs provide a refreshing, relaxing bath experience by combining 100 milligrams of CBD with essential oils, Epsom salt, and calming natural scents to help you soak away the day. And to make it even easier to relax, regroup, and recharge, they're offering all our listeners 25% off on your next order. Just use promo code MBA at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com. Promo code MBA for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD products from CBDMD. We're covering everything you need to know about the NBA draft, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Sam, let's get back into the Sharif Cooper talk here. Uh, Let's talk about some of that scoring, finishing, and the jump shot. What were some of of the points that you wanted to hit here? So when I look at small guards in the NBA that are successful, whether it's the Steph, Trey, CP3, obviously those are kind of the cream of the crop. 
a lot of those guys are so good and they can get kind of wherever they want on the court due to the threat of their jumper. And they're so good at leveraging that. Um, and so that kind of trickles into a couple different issues with Sharif Cooper, but we'll start there with the jumper. Let's do a quick like panic meter, Cody. On a scale of one to 10, when looking at Sharif Cooper's jumper, where would you say you are at this moment with Sharif Cooper's jump shot? Well, naturally, I'm not a person that panics over some 19-year-old's uh, basketball skills. I, you know, I don't expect these guys to be completely polished. So I might be a little lower than some people. My panic meter, I would say, is a two. Uh but I would say concern and panic are a little bit different. Uh, I know you didn't want this much of a nuanced answer, but the panic would be too. Uh, there is a little concern. His shot is pretty slow. We, we talked about the percentages earlier. They're not great. And he's got some head movement that is a really telling sign of when he's going to shoot it. Uh, Auburn fans are people that have watched him may, uh, way more than I have. Maybe they've seen him use some of that head fake to bite guys, but I so far haven't really seen much of that where he gets this head movement and it's like, okay, he's he's shooting it right there. And then it's pretty slow and uh, he always puts a shot up. So right now uh, there's a lot of improvement he needs to make, but I think the form's fine. The free throw percentage is good. I think he's totally someone that uh, can become a reliable shooter. Yeah, so the positives for me are that I do believe he has good touch. Shot 50% on runners this year and 82.5% from the free throw line. But you talked about how he has kind of a tell about when he's going to shoot his jumper. I also think it's, well, I don't know if it's an issue, but he's got a bit of a set jumper where he also leans back a little. Chris Paul kind of has similar form where it's more set, but he leans back to create separation. Uh does that concern you at all, or are you completely fine with the form that he's got? Because, you know, looking at his makes and misses and the stats on when he's contested versus not, it just seems like he does really struggle when there's any contest or pressure on him when he's when he's getting into that jumper. Yeah, I think his body mechanics in the shot will change a little bit with uh, the elite coaching, shooting coaching at the NBA level. Uh, so I think they'll fix that. But yeah, I agree. He does fall back a little bit and... The way he shoots it so slow, like you said, a little bit more of a set shot uh, means it's been harder for him to get into quick jumpers off the dribble. Uh, when he get, Once he gets into the lane and he can use floaters and flip shots, it's better. But yeah, I definitely think that's something uh, he'll work on and he'll improve. Yeah, my last point here is obviously with shooting percentages, especially in this small sample, you got to look at the makes and misses. And I look at the misses and they're kind of spraying everywhere. And on top of that, a lot of I saw him have kind of multiple lucky makes where it bounced like off hard off the uh, back of the rim, kind of going off the backboard and in. And what that tells me is the percentage maybe could have been even worse, right? That it's too early to judge him based off the percentage. But I don't think that that percentage necessarily lied about how good of a shooter he was this past year. So that's just something interesting to keep in mind and to watch and is just going to be kind of a pivot point for him as a prospect like it is for so many guys. 
Yeah, absolutely. So getting into the finishing uh, a little bit real quick here, according to Bartorvik, he's finished just under 50% at the rim. Uh, I think he's had a little bit of struggle finishing when it gets real crowded. Uh, I think he'll definitely need to improve some of those, uh, getting more into a floater or runner instead of getting all the way to the rim because he is pretty limited size-wise. What have you noticed uh, with his ability to get to the rim? Yeah, 49.5% at the rim this year. Anytime you see a guy finish at below 50%, that is not a good indicator. And a lot of it, again, is because he doesn't really have the threat of a jumper, and he certainly doesn't utilize that. And so the defense knows that he's trying to penetrate every time. And yeah, he's able to get there because of the quickness and shiftiness and ability to change pace, which is very useful. But Cody, the main thing that stands out to me is just how often he gets blocked at the rim, which kind of scares me. Yeah, he is not super tall, listed at 6'1". And yeah, he doesn't kind of get into the in-between game where he can use like beat his man with his amazing dribble and then slow up a little bit and do more of a runner floater or flip shot. A lot of his finger rolls are real low, which if there's not lengthy athletes there to block you, that works. But if you notice Steph and Kyrie, a lot of their finger rolls, they're flipping with this big arc that gets way up over the defenders and they use every inch of the glass uh, to do it. That is somewhere he'll definitely need to improve on because if you can beat guys off the dribble, but you can't make the defense pay by finishing, uh, then your preternatural passing ability becomes a little bit less effective. And we do know that the NBA level is a bit spaced out. Obviously, we've seen some guys finish like LaMelo this year better than we anticipated just because of that spacing, because it's more of an open game, a little bit less physicality. But we are going to talk about that NBA translation and what we, where we have him on our board coming up next. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. There are two things that I especially love about Built Bar. Number one is the taste, and number two is just how healthy it is. So first point, I, I love the taste, and I'm not a guy that usually eats protein bars or energy bars because I, I just don't really like the taste of those. But Built Bar just does taste better. They've got even now improved and even more delicious new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream that I especially love, uh, carrot cake, apple almond crisp, a lot of different flavors to choose from. And I especially love how they're covered in 100% chocolate. As a chocolate guy, I love that. Number two, though, and very important to me, I watch what I put into my body and Built Bars are for healthy and health conscious guys like us. Uh, they help you lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. And again, just because of how good these taste and how healthy they are, I, I really love these Built Bars. So because you're listening to the Locked On podcast, you will get a free code. Again, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON20 and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKEDON20 for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college b-ball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. 
their real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to their website on your uh, computer or your mobile device. Uh, use the promo code Locked On. Let them know you came from us, and uh, you'll receive 50% off welcome bonus for your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sport book experts. March Madness is only a few weeks away, but the future of the NBA is on display right now. Get a head start on this year's draft class by listening to us, but also by listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast. Draft guru Chad Ford has released his Big Board 2.0 with profiles of players like Cade Cunningham, Suggs, Evan Mobley, and more. Again, subscribe to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast wherever you get podcasts. So, Cody, let's get into kind of the NBA translation and what it means to be a point guard and a creator in the NBA. So let's start it off kind of with a straightforward question here. How valuable is a six foot one creating point guard who might not ever be an above average shooter in today's NBA? Well, it's an uphill battle. That's for sure. If you're not able to stretch the floor at six one and you don't provide Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet level defense, uh, your creating will be awesome, uh, but you might be pretty limited. Uh, I would think more of a bench role, uh, someone to run the second unit. So it's tough. Uh, I definitely think he has the potential to prove, improve that jump shot. And that, you know, obviously will dictate just uh, how well his career goes. Uh, what do you think about uh, someone of his stature and playing style? Well, it's hard. Uh, we talked about how there is more space in the NBA. Uh, there's just more spacing, less physicality. But when it comes to a player like Sharif Cooper, that's a bit more difficult because, you know, some of the ways that you create space or that space is created for you is obviously having better shooters around you than he obviously had at Auburn. But he doesn't have that jumper to leverage to get to the rim like a lot of these small guards. And on top of that, we see in the NBA now that most of the best passers are these tall players, whether it be LeBron, Luka, Jokic, etc. Guys that can see over the defense, especially now with how prevalent pick and roll is in the NBA. You just have to be able to see that corner shooter on that weak side and be able to hit that pass. And that's just something that really benefits these tall guards. And on top of that, you know, small guards that get pressed and get blitzed out of pick and roll like Steph and Trey, it's a bit more difficult, whereas you can't really do that to LeBron or Luka because they just see right over that and they just expose the defense. So while there will be a bit more spacing at the next level, I still think that some of these issues, including his size and his shooting, will ultimately hold him back if he doesn't reach kind of his top end outcome. Yeah, absolutely. And it is interesting because if he is able to penetrate NBA defenses, if he, uh, you know, has some second team uh, defenders guarding him, uh, if he beats a guy, his court vision and understanding the backside and the rim runners and whatnot, it's like we were talking about earlier. It's amazing. And I think in the NBA, you actually do get a little more space. Uh, obviously, there are better athletes, especially in big time games where they're trying a little bit more defensively. But 
if he can uh, penetrate those defenses and being a smaller guy, still see the court, uh, he is just so good at finding the open man already and making uh, just live dribble, just laser passes to these guys right in their shooting pocket. But like you said, He's got to be able to shoot and he's got to be able to finish to really make those defenders step up and have to help on him. Uh, And for me, that's going to come down to that little floater game for him with his size. He's going to have to be able to hit those kind of medium area shots on the run. Yeah, I I think we need to reemphasize again, and we have just how special of a ball handler and passer he is and how well he moves out there. I'll just emphasize one play that really stuck out to me, and we've kind of hinted at his ability to manipulate and to make these special flashy passes. You talked about how often he throws alley-oops. On this play, they ran a little set where he ran a pick and roll, but it was a little bit off movement from the wing. He used his eyes to manipulate the weak side defender, but all in one motion with his left hand, never touched it with his right hand transitions from his dribble immediately into an alley-oop pass where he throws a beautiful touch alley-oop left-handed pass right to the rim. And because he was manipulating that weak side defender with his eyes, there was no one at the rim to contest. And those are just things you just don't see from a guy his age. So yes, we've talked about the weaknesses. Yes, we've talked about the improvement points, but there still is that special that I can't rule out and that we just don't see too often. That play specifically reminded me a lot of that John Morant passing style. Yeah, you're exactly right. He has something that you can't teach. Uh, he's a young player and he already has it. Some guys, they are just kind of born with it. And uh, I hope he can get the other parts of his game to come along. Uh, because he is going to be someone that would struggle doing anything other than what he's good at he's not going to be able to space the floor at least early on until that jump shot's improved he's really small he's not like a nice defender uh he needs the ball in his hands to be effective and so i think especially early on in his career and maybe for uh, his entire career he might be a guy that kind of heads the second unit where he can have the ball in his hands and make something happen because uh As of right now, if he doesn't have the ball, it's really hard for him to contribute out there. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up because that's a big general worry with me is that I can't really see any unexpected improvements in ancillary parts of his game. You know, for example, LaMelo was we knew he was a really good rebounder and he can really impact the game rebounding and and with his size. And then guys like Landry Shamit, who were guards in college. He comes in and all of a sudden he shows this ability to run off screens, kind of like a J.J. Redick, and be this movement type shooter. You know, there are ways that guys can find ancillary ways that, you know, if they don't hit their top end outcome, well, they can still add this ancillary part of their game that really helps their team and helps them find a role. And I just don't see with the lack of shooting and the lack of size, how else uh, he's really going to make that much of an impact. So I'm glad you highlighted that, Cody. But now let's transition into where we kind of have him on our board. And I'll start with kind of for fun, comparing him to two guards that we liked last year. Uh, You know, everyone's got their eyes on these rookies right now. Halliburton has been awesome, and we really liked Kyra Lewis. Where would you rank him? Not that they're super similar players, but just in terms of guards, kind of on your preliminary board, where would you have Sharif Cooper 
in comparison to guys like Tyrese Halliburton and to Kyra Lewis? Well, I'll just take that question specifically with those two. I would have him behind both of those guys. Uh, We talked a lot about uh, Halliburton and Kyra Lewis over on the Draft Dummies podcast, and uh, they, to me, are much better prospects for a variety of reasons that we don't have time to get into today. But I will say that Cooper has a little bit of an it factor with his basketball IQ and passing that even like Halliburton, definitely not Kyra, uh, have. Like he he is special in that way. I just think he has so many other limitations. Uh, those other guys are better NBA prospects, in my opinion. Yep, I would agree with you on all of those points, Cody. And now in terms of kind of where I might have him and where you might have him, just in general, because I preferred it to do my board by tiers instead of just straight numerical order. Do you see him more as a late lottery guy, a mid first, a late first or a late second, just in terms of, I know we don't have our boards finalized, but generally on your board, where do you think he will finish up? I think probably in mid to late first round. I just think with his production that he has had and uh, just the ability to create for others uh, so far, I think I'll probably have him in that range, but we'll see. What about you? I think I'd be pretty similar. I think I would be fine taking him anywhere outside of the top 10, but more comfortable taking him more in the middle of the first round. Again, I understand the concerns, but like you said, like we have hit on, the magic is there and it's just something that you can't really teach. And these guys have tended to figure it out. So I'm going to, I'm going to bank on that. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, be sure to subscribe and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter as well with the Locked On NBA Draft. And uh, be sure to listen to the other shows on this channel throughout the week. Thank you, listeners.